I'm Ayelet Marinovich, your host. Welcome back to Learn With Less, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, educators, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. This episode is focused on those of you in the audience who are professionals working with families. I know there are lots of you out there. Whether you're parents yourselves or whether you work with families and don't consider yourselves parents or caregivers at all, this episode is for you. The mission of Learn With Less is to provide confidence to new families that you can support and connect with your baby or toddler without having to buy a single toy. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to Ayalet, hello to all the singers, hello, 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 hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I will help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name, hello to your name, hello, 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 everybody, hello, everybody, hello, 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 one last time, hello, everybody, hello, everybody, it's nice to see you here today, hello, everybody, hello, everybody, it's nice to see you here. In today's episode, I am going to be sharing with you what I consider to be the ultimate guide to supporting infant and toddler families through parent education. Because here is the thing. The single most important thing your families need to realize about supporting their young child's development is that they already have all the right tools to support their babies. They just need to know how to use them. All around the world, educators and therapists working with families with infants and toddlers are moving to a more routines-based intervention approach. Now, essentially what that means is that the research is finally catching up with what professionals in early childhood education and adjacent fields have known for a long time, that tiny humans must be supported by responsive caregivers, and they do this best in their natural environment. In the first few years of life, children learn through a process of observation, observing others, imitation, starting to imitate others or others' actions, and interaction, interacting with objects in the environment and with other people in the environment. And everyday routines are those common threads that help children make sense of the world and help them learn about basic concepts, about vocabulary for things and people around them, about how their bodies move and how the world feels, and about how to engage socially with others. So when parents and caregivers can learn to maximize the everyday routines and everyday objects that they're often already participating in and using, They can unlock their potential and boost development. And this, in turn, gives them the peace of mind they crave. It empowers them to do the big job of parenting tiny humans. They got to combat the overwhelm of early parenthood. Parenting is that great equalizer, right? No matter where your families come from, what language or languages they speak, what socioeconomic bracket under which they fall, 
what social identities they hold or whether a child is developing along a quote-unquote typical progression or whether they fall outside of the norm, there's one single thing we all need to realize. When you can help families learn to recognize the tools they already have to boost their young child's development, you are able to help them maximize the time they have with their babies. You help them feel empowered to get it right. And you're able to help them unlock the power of everyday routines, like a diaper change, and everyday objects, like a paper roll, to figure out how to support their tiny human and boost all areas of development. So what are the kinds of things we as educators and therapists can do to support young children and their families? What are the things we can show parents and caregivers that can help them infuse every single interaction they might have with more connection, more opportunities for interaction, more vocabulary, more modeling? I see these as play, talk, sing, and move. And I refer to these as the four pillars of learn with less. I come back to these in every single one of my therapeutic sessions as a pediatric speech language pathologist, in everything I model and discuss with client families, and in all of my parent education work with learn with less. Now, the ultimate goal both with direct therapy and with any kind of parent education or enrichment class, is to build family capacity, competence, and confidence. Therefore, this means that your job as a parent educator or a therapist of any kind is to help parents and caregivers to believe that they can make a difference with their child. And you can do that using very simple strategies and very simple materials. As a pediatric speech-language pathologist, a parent educator, and an imperfect mother of two young children myself, I see so often that parents and caregivers often get caught up with the idea of finding the best route to follow. And then instead of thinking things through or thinking about why they believe something is the best or why a certain material or toy holds specific developmental value, they can become a blind follower to the tool they're using or the philosophy they're following. Your job as a parent educator or therapist, in many ways, is to help them think for themselves. It's to show them that the materials you're using don't actually really matter because they are going to get fixated on the materials. I kid you not, I have literally had a mom say out loud without even thinking about what she was saying. As her baby was reaching and grasping for an empty toilet paper roll, oh, we're gonna have to go out and get one of these. We had a good laugh about that when she realized what she had just said, right? It came from her home (laughs) already. She already had one. But we are conditioned to want to go out and get the best for our babies, to think that that is what makes the difference. And because the baby industry is so strong and so conniving, we believe we have to go out and buy things to support development. So it is not about the materials. It's what you infuse the experience with that matters. It's not about the toy. It's about the interaction. 
In the Learn With Less curriculum, I encourage families to use four basic pillars to connect with their little ones. These are the pillars of play, talk, sing, and move. And these pillars allow us to connect as a group and allow me to facilitate and model to other caregivers. Now, today, I'm going to break those down for you. As a facilitator of caregiver and child groups, as a parent educator or a therapist of any kind, these four pillars will help you provide families with the foundation for learning and connection and will help you break down early development so parents and caregivers can think about supporting their infants and toddlers through simple, manageable steps. Pointing out these pillars allows you as an educator to set a warm and friendly tone with both caregiver and child and allows you to use the languages of play, of talk, of sing, and of move to connect, to facilitate, and to model to other caregivers. So what are the kinds of things we can do to support young children that infuse every single interaction with more connection or more opportunities for interaction with more vocabulary, with more modeling? What does that mean for our little ones? So first, we want to define play with attention to the following principles. Open-ended play, meaning we want to encourage caregivers to, to engage in exploration of the environment and of everyday objects. And being playful can simply mean exploring, experimenting, offering varied environments and varied objects. Most importantly, we want to help those adults in the room see that being playful is a different way to look at what we as grown-ups come to define as play, right? Many adults come into the idea of playing with their child as following a set of rules of a game, like we hit the ball, we run, we score, or as a procedural exercise, we open the book, we read the page, we turn the page, repeat. So encouraging caregivers to play with no specific end goal in mind can really require them to reframe their entire thinking. Now, of course, in a therapeutic context, you are going to want to weave whatever skill you're working on into the play. So whether it's turn-taking or eye gaze or joint attention or fine motor skills, sensory integration, first words, building on existing verbal language, we want to create an environment where the caregiver is encouraged to be flexible and accepting of what is happening, what might happen next, and what their child is doing. And finally, within that play, we want to ensure safety with a variety of materials. Next, we want to define this second pillar of talk with attention to the following principles. We want to help caregivers recognize that just by having discussions with their potentially pre-verbal or non-speaking baby or toddler, just by making observations alongside their child, they are creating a language-rich environment. We want to encourage them to engage in that gold standard of early learning, repetition with variation, which we'll talk about more in a few minutes. So helping them see the value in all those everyday experiences like the diaper change and the sitting down to a meal or the bath or the waking up or going to bed routines, all of those are opportunities for repetition. And then tiny variations they can make with a change of pace, with the change in attention, with the addition of a choice-making opportunity, with a little song and so on. 
that that is a wonderful way to go. We also want to help them remember that that drill and kill kind of what's this, what's this, what's this kind of labeling that many parents and caregivers get stuck in because, of course, they want their child to show them how much they know is just one of many reasons why we communicate, right? Labeling is just one way we can talk about things, but so is asking questions, so is making requests, so is greeting, and so many other parts of joint attentional acts and socially interactive acts and behavioral regulation acts. And we want them to recognize that we all communicate using a variety of means and modes, not just with words, but all those precursors to language and all those additional ways like eye gaze and facial expression and gestures and moving closer to an object. We want to help them recognize that modeling our own curiosity, talking about our own feelings, imitating their vocalizations and verbalizations and movements are all supporting various areas of communication. And finally, we want them to realize that they are the primary language models. They, those caregivers, are the ones modeling what they want their child to then imitate. So not only do we want to help them model a wonderful variation of vocabulary and the formation of sentences, etc. But we also want them to model positive behavior, positive communication styles. And we want them to talk to their children and around their children in the ways that they want to eventually have their children speak to them. And now we come to sing, the one people often have the most trouble gathering resources and just doing. I get it. But we want to give families the chance to realize that this pillar of sing does not necessarily mean singing every day and in every way all throughout the day with their child, right? There are so many ways to be musical with young children. But because music is so powerful, I do really encourage you to give them ways to just feel at ease trying things out often by modeling your own imperfection as well. And using music to add a silly element or a simple routine like the diaper change, right? Say, stinky diaper, it's time for a new one. Or, is there a poo-poo in there? Is there a poo-poo in there? Was it only air or is there poo-poo in there? We want to help them see that simply by adding, you pooped, you pooped, you really, really pooped, is adding joy into a routine. And just by using a melody or a change in pace, a rhythm, we can distract a child or engage a child using musicality. We also want to encourage them to remember that rhythms are everywhere, that nearly everything can become a percussive instrument, and their child playing with a bowl and wooden spoon is a musical experience because they can make music with what they already have. They might have a few lovely instruments, a wooden drum, a few maracas, but they might also have a poster tube that they can fill with dry beans or an upside down laundry basket. And you are here to show them how to make use of all of those. Finally, we want to define this last pillar, move with attention to the following principles. First, movement is life. Their child learns about 
everything by learning how their body moves, where it is in space, by solving the problem of how to balance and lift and figure out elements of force, of gravity, and becoming the scientists that they are through movement. So we want them to remember that even with a tiny baby or a child with motor challenges, they can consider various movement planes, whether it's during tummy time or a dance party or a lullaby, whether it is to stimulate or to regulate. And exploration, which is learning, cannot be contained. So we might have some movement in and out of the location where a session started. We might be sitting up or laying on the floor. We might be mouthing something or exploring how one surface is different from the next. So I want to finish by again reminding you that that way forward in early intervention, in routines-based intervention, or in any family enrichment workshop or class, it's not about you as the professional getting to show off all of your cute therapy toys or getting to use your laminator. For every single material you use, if you bring it into the home, if you provide materials within a group, if you suggest materials to be used, or if you use what's already there, try to think of the most basic version. In our use of everyday items, we are educating caregivers that they don't need what you have. They can use what they already have in their own home, regardless of how much or how little they have of it. Your clients are a diverse set of caregivers and children who may or may not be accustomed to playing with a variety of materials. They may have started your session already having spent the morning in a cardboard box or the kitchen cabinets, or the caregiver may be completely opposed to their child using, say, their kitchen as a play space. And that's okay. That is their right. So if they're not comfortable you find another way, another material, another space. Remember, we are building family capacity, family confidence, and family competence. You are making attempts at creating an environment for exploration. You're providing examples for ways they can engage with their own children. You're giving them ideas about how they might generalize at home or when you're not there. You are showing examples. You're not giving them the right way to parent. Your model and your structure provides them with a new set of eyes, a new way to see what they already have and what they can use and do should they wish to implement that without you. They may start to see over time that controlled chaos is maybe okay sometimes, that mess is not always terrible, or that they can create mess in ways that are more comfortable than others. And they may start to see that the value of those little moments in between are actually incredibly powerful. Parents and caregivers often define learning and play in more adult terms. This is often something that manifests itself in activities like book reading. Clients often express to me that the problem, for instance, when they sit down with a book with their young child is that their toddler just wants to remove all the books out of the book stand or just wants to turn the page for no other reason than just to turn the page. When I dig a little bit deeper with them about what about this irks them, they often explain that they simply want their child to attend to something interesting or special in the book or that they know that book reading and early literacy is important. So 
that means that there are a lot of levels of parent education that we as clinicians have to do about how all young children learn. So here we are. Families need a guide. They want to know how best to help their children. That guide can be you. Remember where they are. They're often overwhelmed, sleep deprived, anxious, and needing to be reassured that they are doing all the things right. They all want to do enough for their children. Every single parent and caregiver wants this. The strategies we've discussed today focus on empowering the family, creating confidence, helping them feel competent, and building their own capacity, helping them see what they are capable of, and giving them the eyes to see the value of what they're already doing, adding just a few tweaks to their mundane or everyday moments. I believe that a very powerful way to do that is through community-based caregiver and baby or toddler classes. And I would love to share the knowledge that I have gained since 2014, creating my own curriculum and sharing it with families all over the world, both virtually and in person. I would love to share with you the community that we have created of Learn With Less facilitators. And I have created a few resources, one that I would love to share with you when you apply to the Learn With Less facilitator training and certification program. When you do that, I will be reviewing your application. And if you're a good fit for the program, I will be sharing with you a private training all about how to create lasting impact by leading Caregiver and Me classes using an evidence-based, high-quality, plug-and-play program that will have families coming back again and again. Now, In addition to that, I will be sharing with you when you apply my caregiver and baby classes roadmap, and this will help you discover how to promote parent education about play and development, how to facilitate opportunities for early parent support, how to establish yourself as a resource and leader, earn an income and diversify your existing income streams, and create a steady stream of clients for all of your services. This roadmap will show you the six areas you'll need to consider so that the overwhelm of starting your own thing doesn't stop you in your tracks before you even begin, and so you don't have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to leading caregiver and child classes in your local community. So you can get free access to all of that right now by heading to learnwithless.com slash certification. I cannot wait to hear what you think. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye, bigger kids. Goodbye, all the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye, I yell it. Goodbye to this music we laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts being here together. Thank you so much, everyone. The Learn With Less podcast brings you information, tips, and resources about all things early parenthood and early childhood. Don't forget to apply to the Learn With Less program today by heading over to learnwithless.com slash certification right now. If you haven't yet done so, please do leave a review of the Learn With Less podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to consume podcasts. That really helps other people find the good work we're doing. And after you've done that, go ahead and share Learn With Less with a friend or colleague. See you next time.